You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny. And the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now- Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat, a very strange week for our nationals, which we will get into in depth on this episode, which we are calling our overreaction episode. It's going to be fun. Thank you, as always, for joining us. We really appreciate you all listening. Um, I am joined, as always, by my preferred co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. Please be sure to find us all on Twitter. You can find the show there at Half Street High Heat, and you can get all of our handles from the show account. And also make sure you check out the website, HalfStreetHighHeat.com, which is full of great articles, including the overreaction article, which dovetails nicely with our episode this evening. And also make sure you check out the YouTube channel, The Rundown with Half Street High Heat. And uh, hey, guys, how's it going? A little bit of news this week to talk about. Did you call us perverted? It's close to that. Perfervid. I heard perverted. Per, per, well, I mean, that's probably also true, <laughs> although we try to stay away from that here on this podcast, but perfervid, Perfer- which is actually quite a compliment. It, it means, makes- and I'll, 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 I actually saved it for you tonight so that because you always tell me you don't look them up anymore. Marked by overwrought or exaggerated emotion, excessively fervent. 
That's that's very fitting for our overreaction. Isn't it? Episode. I thought it was perfect. So that's well you. done. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, we should dovetail. Is it dovetail? Dovetail. Dove. Dove. With a V. Dove. Like a bird. Like a bird. That isn't real. Like that isn't real. Um, we should dovetail that into you giving the definition. So that way we know. Yeah, I can do that. I can cool. start giving the definition because I figure you're not the only ones who never look it up. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's going we on? Could definitely do that. Not much. It's been a hell of a week. Good grief. You the know, we were so year, excited actually. on our last episode about opening day. And here we are. I know. We did all of that just <laughs> to have opening day delayed, what, you know, f- literally maybe an hour after we were done recording. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, I was cracking up right or was after it the I ne- saw Was them. it the day of? Or was it? I think it was, was it the next day. I don't remember. I just remember reading it. Like, we did all of that. All yeah. of our prep on the episode, all of our predictions, all of everything. Yeah. Well, at least we still got some baseball this weekend. I watched a ton of baseball. so. And there is something to be said for watching baseball that you have no emotional investment in. It's sort of refreshing. You know, the um, you know low-key, one of the better things about COVID slash no fans in the stands is day baseball on a weekday. Mm-hmm. I could throw on, you know, today was what Tigers, where are the Tigers playing? Tigers Twins threw it on at one one o'clock in the background. Beautiful. Love that it. That is very nice. Although I have to say, I'm going to take this opportunity to bitch and kvetch about the fact that I will not be able to watch any of this Brave series because I have um, responsibilities all day tomorrow and Wednesday during which I will not be able to have baseball on. I mean, so it sounds like you just watch. need to prioritize better. It does sound like that, doesn't it? If it were work, I would probably just be like, yeah, I got to move my appointments, but it's not work. Just other responsibilities. So I cannot move them, and I'm pissed off about it. Point still stands. (laughs) Fair enough. How was your weekend, Ryan? Did you watch plenty of non-Nats baseball? No. I did a free trial for MLB TV, and I... Loved it. I watched a lot of baseball. I got to see every single one of Mike Trout's at-bats. Um, I saw the Angels and Tony La Russa blow it. There's a lot of really good baseball. You mean the White Sox? Uh, Tony La Russa. That's all I have to say. He sucks. He's the worst manager in the league. Overreaction Monday. But <laughs> I loved it. There's so much good baseball. And my free trial ends Thursday, so I'm going to cancel my account and create a new email so I can get another free trial because i don't pay for things dc now check one at gmail.com dc, DC now check one two, two at gmail.com <laughs> one 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 they'll never catch you yeah it's pretty tricky pretty tricky okay well we certainly have plenty of nats specific stuff to talk about but before that ryan could you give us our weekend review we have yes. actual baseball games to talk about yes baseball is back for everyone except the Nationals and the Mets, as their opening weekend series was postponed, Nationals' final numbers were four players positive and seven high risk, but we'll get into that in a little. Rob Manfred announced that he is moving the All-Star game out of Atlanta due to their controversial Voter Suppression Act. This was backed by the MLBPA as well as corporate sponsors, and it was just announced shortly ago that is believed that Coors Field in Denver is going to be the new host of the All-Star Game and also the Home Run Derby, which will be the greatest Home Run Derby in the history of Home Run Derbies. Nicholas Castellanos is suspended for two games for playing baseball. He got hit by a pitch and then stole home and stood over the pitcher yelling at 
the pitcher, and now he's suspended two games. The funny thing is, Major League Baseball is more than likely going to use that clip in the marketing uh, ad later this year. To the NL East, the Braves are in last place at 0-3 after being swept by the Phillies for a second time in three years to start the year. They lasted that in 2019. Acuna, Swanson, Ozuna, Freeman, and Albies combined for four hits, and Freeman was hitless in a three-game series against the Phillies for the first time in his career, and the Braves sadly and pretty funnily covered their all-star game patches. The Nationals and Mets did not play, but they're still ahead of the Braves, and the Mets are currently beating the Phillies 2-0. Marlins are 1-2 after their series with the Rays. They're currently losing to the Cardinals. After the Cardinals series, they'll take on the Mets in a four-game weekend series. In first place are the 3-0 Phillies. The Phillies won two games this weekend in which their pitcher came out with a tie. They only won one such game all of last season. This has been your week review brought to you in part by your local neighborhood Chili's. Stop on in or carry out and make sure you try the new $5 mark of the month, the straw Eddie mark. This has been your week in review. I just say how lovely it is to hear your week in review with actual baseball games to talk about. <laughs> Welcome yeah. back baseball. And the Castellanos thing was so freaking fantastic. I cannot believe that they gave him a suspension. And what you're right, even... they're probably going to use it for some marketing and after they point. suspended him. Yeah. The the you know, one of the best parts of that whole situation was it was him and Yachty at the the center of it and his quote after the game was oh, like so Yachty could punch me in the face and I'd still ask him to for a signed jersey. I love Nicholas. I was like, what now. am I a Castellanos fan now? Yeah, what happened? I love that. And then the Reds uh <laughs> Castellanos hit the hit a home run the next day and the Reds social media tweeted a clip of it and said this dude could punch us in the face and we'd still ask him for a signed jersey. It was perfectly executed. Nats fans can only dream to have a social media team that can execute something so flawlessly. It, it was it was just a beautiful thing to see. Yes. Yes, indeed. I enjoyed it a lot, although I still I'm just baffled that they they keep everybody talks constantly about how they need to market themselves better and how it needs to be more entertaining and all of that. And then they finally have something fun happen on opening weekend. And they're like, well, let's put the kibosh on that. Make also, sure. you know, Ryan and I know this well, um, based on how electric the 2018 home run derby was mm-hmm. at Nats Park. Seeing one in cores makes me want to go very, very it badly. It is going even to though be it's this year. Nothing but five hundred foot home runs. Make it would be it, great, I, which is why I, I don't think it will happen. I need, I need Stanton. I need Judge. I need Bryce. I need um, who you else? Cruz. Cruz. Who, wait, who? Oh, uh, yes, Soto. Soto can be in there. Give me uh, Vlad Junior. Vlad Junior. Thank you. Yeah. I, I knew I was I missing one big nothing one. Nothing but six five dudes. All the big boys who hit the long ass. I want the daddy hacks. Yeah. I want that. That's all I want. I am so excited. Honestly, give me Schwarber over Soto in the in the derby. Schwarber, Schwarber does better daddy hacks than Soto. Soto's more of a – he's like a pure hitter. A little more finesse. Yeah, i got to tell you, though, I've only seen one report that it was they're leaning towards Coors Field, and maybe they will, but it just seems like something baseball would do to have a great idea and then not do it. So it was reported – Earlier in the week, I think the next day that Coors was the favorite, and then Buster only just tweeted it out. Um, that is ESPN, but as you know, nothing is official until the granddaddy of them all, Jeff Passon, speaks. So mm-hmm. I'm waiting for him, but let's do it because that would be very that would fun. Be so I would want to go so badly. 
Holy hell, that would be... I don't even care about the All-Star game. Just give me to the Derby. I'd like to go to Coors Field anyway. I have been to Coors oh, yeah, Field, but list. not inside Coors Field. Like, we were in Denver for a wedding. This was, like, two years ago now. And uh, we went over to the baseball history... Or the baseball stadium museum, which is right outside. Oh, yeah, of you told Coors, us that before. And it was really fun, and the stadium just looks gorgeous. I love how it's, like, right in the middle of the city. You just walk up to it. It looks really awesome. I would love to go, but I don't know how much travel is in the cards. Yeah, I don't know either, year. but that that would make me, uh, you know, ponder it at least. Yeah, for sure. It would be fun. Okay, so let's move on and talk Nats, which are, I mean, the Nats are just an unmitigated disaster right now. Um, I think we're up to 11 affected players. Um, according to the latest reports, they still haven't made clear who has COVID, who's tested positive, and who's just quarantined for contact tracing purposes. But today, they did have a workout at Nats Park. Uh, conspicuously missing were Trey Turner, Josh Bell, see Avila, Corbin, Gomes, Harrison, Hand, Lester, Schwarber, and Mercer. I think I'm um, missing one or two. Luis Avalon is the other one, but there's conflicting reports if he was seen or not. But John Heyman just tweeted that the Rockies are going to host it. So Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah pa- so that's Passon a- just retweeted uh, Buster Olney as well. So yeah, that's so basically a confirmation. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Hell yeah. I'm surprised they they decided so quickly, honestly. You, you need to you, they had to decide though. You can't just leave this kind of thing lingering. But yeah. it would be very MLB to leave it lingering. It would. But I have to say the um the obvious places where the All-Star game patches used to be on the Braves arms <laughs> is seriously giving me life. Like I just every time I see it I cackle. So I know it's crappy for the businesses and for the you know the fans whatever. I get it, but it's still hysterically funny. It's horrible and funny. So, back to the Nationals. The missing players thing. When it first came out, they were like, um, Harrison, Lester, Schwarber, and Avila are not going to be on it, but we don't know. Uh, They, like, said those four first, and they're like, well, we don't know which ones those are. Everyone's like, okay, yeah, those are the people with tested positive. (laughs) So I was like, all right, this isn't that bad. None of those guys are good. And then they had practice today, and everyone was, like, watching Twitter, and and I was like, damn it, because it was, like, all their good players didn't come out. Bell, Hand, Corbin, Turner, which the Trey Turner thing is very interesting because Really, really weird. So he he went to church. Um, His baby was getting baptized. Congratulations to them and their family. His wife deleted the Instagram picture right away. So I was like, well, they probably got some annoying comments, but now he wasn't there. I was like, oh, they just snitched on themselves. They just broke MLB protocol. Shout out uh, Trey Turner, unless they're fully vaccinated. But there were some reports that he may have been out for something else. So I guess we have to see tomorrow. But yeah, this yeah I saw sucks. somebody speculate that maybe that picture wasn't from yesterday. It was just posted yesterday. Like, who knows? But if if they were in the contact tracing process and everybody on the team is supposed to be, you know, quarantining and he decided to go out to church. That's obviously going to be an issue. I mean, it yeah. was Easter. So it, it was like, there's it, a, a, a path and protocol. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows? Yeah. I don't know, but it's definitely a very curious like, when everybody said, Oh, well, he was at church yesterday. So obviously it's not Trey. He's fine. But then he wasn't there today. So does he have it? Did he get a positive test oh, I, after? I just he... meant because it was Easter. He might yeah, have posted it on Easter yeah. because it could have been an old picture. But who knows? I mean, we don't know anything. Don't it, know it's anything. annoying how it's four days later and we still don't know any more than we did 
Thursday or when or Wednesday. And whenever why? We're, we're all going to know tomorrow. Like, yeah, what is with all this like cloak and put, dagger crap? Like, they're why? going to be put on the COVID list. They're right. definitely trying to protect someone. And I'm trying to figure out who of the 11 that they're trying to protect. And I know Mike Rizzo and Zimmerman, all of them said they didn't break protocol, but I feel like the way they're acting, they did, or they're trying to protect a certain player, one of these guys from backlash, which like I kind of get. Maybe Lester? There's there's, uh, protecting people's private information, but you could do the same thing with regular injuries. It's just weird. Right. But, and you have to put them on the COVID list. That's the thing. It's like if you weren't, if you were just going to say, hey, we're not going to share medical information, fine. But we're all going to know in 24 hours. So yeah, why who, not just, whoever tested positive is going to still have to go on the list, even though it's almost a week later. But they already said, like, they basically confirmed who the four players were. Because before the practice, they said, oh, Lester, Avila, Harrison, and um, I think it was Gomes also. Schwarber. Oh yeah, Schwarber. That's right. Schwarber weren't going to be on the roster before anything. And else. you like, could those see are the first four, and then you, they made corresponding moves. So right, like, right. Okay. That was my point. Yeah. You could see based on. I mean, that's exactly what we were doing last week. They called up Sam Clay. Oh, it's probably a lefty. You know, like you can kind of piece it together that way. But it's annoying that they still haven't given us the information that is going to come out at some point. So I, I think Ryan's right. They're probably protecting someone. But wasn't there some sort of report that said Lester was patient zero with this whole thing? Yeah, I've so heard that too, but I don't was, know where it came from. There was a report from Talk Nats who, before opening day, said Lester wasn't on the opening day roster. And then, oh, then, that's right. And then the next day, all the COVID stuff came out. And then Baseball Tonight said John Lester was patient zero. I didn't hear who his source was. I feel like that's not confirmed. It's kind of just rumored. So I don't really know about that. But my concern is their infield right now. Just the whole oh, oh my god! Not that it was great it's, to begin with. I'm, I'm trying to pull up the tweet. I don't know whether to laugh or yeah, cry yeah. when I. Their starting infield. Is Shortstop was bad. Ryan Zimmerman at first. Stalin Castro at third, or Kevin third. Luis Garcia, and then they're gonna have Hernan Perez playing short it's going to be a bad week. Like they're probably going to go one and five the whole year, <laughs> maybe two and four. Like if they're lucky, this is going to be such a brutal week. Thank God Max and Strauss are fine. Cause those are like their two games when they have a pretty good chance, especially tomorrow with Max against um, Smiley. But after that, this is going to suck. Like they're like, I'm going to lose my mind if they actually score. Cause who the hell is Cody Wilson? Cody Wilson's now on the roster. Yeah, when I saw that name, I said, who? And I feel like I follow this team as closely as, you know, more, more closely than a lot of people. And I was just, that one, was, I had to go look them up. Is it a stretch to say that the Nats, in in a sense, dodged a bullet by missing four games to start the season against divisional opponents based on how strong, uh, you know, their schedule is the rest yes. of the month? Well, I mean, no, it's not a stretch. I think, I mean, given... Well, now they're just going to have double headers mixed in with all of it. True, but yeah. even at full strength, I think that it was it was going to be a slog through those first two series. Right, and yeah, It was, but at least you get Max cases. and Strauss against the Braves when the Braves just got swept. And they and you get the bottom hot. of their rotation and not yeah, the Yeah, and they're not rotation. hot. So, like, hopefully that, that sets you up for a little bit of success. Uh, granted, we're going to be missing some pieces. So, <laughs> just you know, a few. We're, we're not at full strength either, but... You know, I'm just trying to find a silver lining in all this, I guess. Yeah, well, good luck with that. If you find one, please share. I'm trying to be optimistic. I'm not, I don't have much experience in <laughs> You've it. You've been though. trying. You've been trying. <laughs> 
All right. So um, let's talk about who we are seeing. We just touched on this a little bit. Um, Sanchez, uh, Hernan Perez, Luis Garcia, Cardo Kiboom, Yasmani Tomas. They resigned after having released him last month. Wasn't Jonathan Lucroy? <laughs> yeah. And oh, and Lucroy. We haven't even talked about Lucroy yet. Wasn't uh, Carter Keeboom the backup to Hernan Perez at short? Wasn't that the Jesse Doherty tweet today? He wasn't even so. starting at third. He was the backup to Hernan Perez. Just the the. Fa- I, mean, I, I don't mean the very the definition laugh. of insult to injury. Right I, I, there, I don't that's... mean to laugh, but like the fall from grace that Carter Keeboom has experienced oh in the past like thirteen months is astounding. Yeah, it is. It is a stunning one. It's true. I, you just, yeah, these these infield names, you're like, these guys might, quite a few of them might be, you know, solid major leaguers one day, but today is not that day. Tomorrow is not that day. So, yep. yeah, I'm, uh, I am excited that the Nat season is finally about to start, but I am um, anticipating it with great trepidation, you should say. The, uh, the Luke Rosanning doesn't do anything for me. It was necessary considering that, Gomes and Avila are at the minimum in protocol or, you know, quarantine, whatever. So it is what it is right now. They have a Barrera and a Reed up. Neither of them move the needle. So it's like, it's not like Nats fans are, uh, um, you know, spoiled with good catching. We've been, no, we've been not like that at all. We've been used to this black hole of a catcher position for years and years and years now. So. Do you think there's any this chance is... Luke Roy beats out Avila? Oh, I, I 100% think so. He had a good spring. He just didn't have I mean, the bar. The, the bar's White on the Sox, floor, right? Yeah, he was with the White Sox, but the White Sox didn't really need. I mean, they have Grandal, so at best he was fighting for a backup spot. But uh, he had a decent spring, and I think he he can absolutely beat Avila. He I, he, he can certainly beat Barrera and uh, yeah, well that goes and, and Reed. Saying. So, but I just wonder if the if the uh, end result of this when things get back to normal is maybe that Avila is not the the platoon. I mean, to to answer your question, I, I tweeted this as well. I feel exactly the same. Or if Lucroy would have been signed instead of Avila, I would have felt the exact same way about the move that I did when Avila got signed. Both of them, they're 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 a push. They're a net neutral for me. They're the same. So well, net neutral is better than. Herrera or Reed, so. <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure both of them got suspended for PEDs at one point. I know Reed did. I Barrera thought Herrera well. did too. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just really funny that both of our catching prospects did. You know, we always laugh about people who, you know, do steroids and get worse. I feel like, how do you? <laughs> Looking at you, FP Santangelo. All right. All right. I was trying to be circumspect. Damn. All right. Um, let's. Move on. We have an interview we did actually with Todd Dibus, which was really great. Um, Ryan, I'm going to let you um, talk about that a little bit. And it was too bad we didn't get a chance to talk to him just a little bit later. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, so Amanda and I sat down with Todd. Um, it was a fantastic interview. We talked about the Nats COVID situation. Then a couple hours later, we started getting names. We talked to him about the Josh Harris, not Josh Harris, excuse me, the Josh Bell, Ryan Zimmerman potential split. We also talked about some very interesting comments that Mark Lerner made about Juan Soto and what he believes that was. And then we also got a nice little update on where things are standing with Trey Turner and Juan Soto, and then also his predictions. It was a fantastic interview. Todd was very fun to talk to, and we hope you enjoy. 
We are now joined by Todd Dibus. You guys can give him a follow on Twitter at Todd underscore Dibus. And make sure you guys subscribe to his Inside the Clubhouse Nationals newsletter. Todd, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you? You know, I'm doing all right. I was expecting to watch some uh, baseball this weekend, but um, I guess 2020, 2020 is still rolling and things aren't starting exactly how we thought they were. The Nats have four players who've tested positive, and they have another five that are seen as high risk. And according to MLB protocols, those who are high risk have to quarantine for seven days. So the Nats are going to be without nine guys for quite some time, and they have the Braves and the Dodgers this week, so that's less than ideal. Is there any type of indication who these nine, nine guys are or any type of indication of who the Nats might call up to fill out the rest of this roster? Um, I think we have a sense of who it is, but it, it's really tricky to speculate at this point. Um, what we will know is exactly who it is come Monday, assuming they play and start that series with the Braves. Because at, even at the start of spring training, I would say probably 23 out of the 26 roster spots were basically spoken for. Um, and you could have projected those out even back in January, right? Like mm-hmm. the team, what the team was doing was was pretty clear. And then you had some, you know, fist starter questions, uh, back end of the bullpen questions, and maybe utility guy questions, which is where we ended up with a couple surprises at the end with the with the two veteran utility guys added to the roster. But you know, nothing seismic, right? So on Monday, if they run nine guys out there will be eight because we know Max uh, is planning the pitch on Monday and that he was separate from everybody um, when this all started to spread Thank goodness. Back, on, yeah, back on the prior Monday because he took a separate flight uh, with his pregnant wife, Erica, uh, back to D.C. He wasn't on the team charter. So when we see the other eight guys around him, you know, process of elimination should be pretty simplistic and, and let us know who is in quarantine and, and who is not. Uh, obviously, it's not going to tell us precisely who's positive um, and who's not or who the first positive was and cer- or why that first person or how that first person um, caught the virus. But, you know, I, I think a little bit the idea of that is, is kind of moot um, because we're tearing this with priorities right and the first priority is health for everybody Um, so hopefully everyone feels good and it's going to be feeling better shortly then second is getting back to playing baseball and as you said the schedule is a monster Um, (laughs) well if they had everybody the schedule is a monster and now that you're going to be short uh, and start dealing with the Braves and you're down nine guys that is less than ideal obviously (laughs) yes less than ideal is a good way to describe it do you have any (laughs) indication of the position groups that seem to be, I guess, the, who they're calling up. We've heard some reports, but. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. So there were initial reports when on Wednesday, when this started to all trickle out and um, the, the total group was smaller and we saw that a, a reliever may come up and Luis Garcia, uh, Jesse Doherty, the Washington Post reported that Luis Garcia was going to come up. So that gives you an idea of, you know, it could be, second base it could be third base because the expected second baseman could move over to third base if the third base is in quarantine and so that's i think very indicative of a bit of the danger of of trying to figure this out um now 
is there, there, there's too many moving parts um, to, to know. Like Luis Garcia could be called up to replace basically five guys. So yeah, please you know, not try. Yeah. Please not try. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you, you know, um, you know, it, I think it's a little bit of a dangerous game to play. And it became, you know, way, way, way more difficult with the um, further contact tracing. I ended up with nine total players um, in quarantine. Yeah, and we've seen some reports. Uh, there's a report today from John Heyman that the Nationals have interest in Jonathan Lucroy. I feel like we can kind of mm-hmm. infer what that kind of means for the current catchers. But if the Nationals were to sign Lucroy, would this just be a short-term fill-in thing, or would he be here for the long-term? Yeah, well, I think, number one, um, catcher depth is always a concern. Um, if you recall, one of the reports on Wednesday was that Trace Barrero was among the people who were going to be added to the roster. And um, so that told us off the bat that there was an issue at catcher uh, because you're not going to just add a third catcher just just because, right? Right. Um, even though uh, their emergency catcher is not an actual catcher, um, it's Mercer. And so I believe it was Mercer, if I'm remembering what Davey said. He just, like, I didn't know he was the emergency day. catcher. That's interesting. Yeah, he just threw it in there one day. So um, there's – an issue there. Uh, would it be short term or long term? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just tough to speculate on all of this stuff. Um, and to be honest, you know, a report saying the Nationals have interest in player X, uh, I'm also going to give great pause to that kind <laughs> of language because the Nationals have had interest in a lot right. of players. If that if that meant oh. anything, we'd have Chris Bryan and Justin Turner and you'd have you'd have yes <laughs> or Justin Turner, not man roster. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Well, something we maybe that isn't so speculative is um, there's been a lot of conflicting information out in in the public sphere about how long is the quarantine going to be required for players who don't wind up testing positive. Obviously, guys who are sick are going to have to, you know, wait until they can test positive for some length of time or test negative for some length of time. But for the ones who are Mm -hmm. quarantined for contact tracing but never test positive, do you know from the team or anyone around the team what they're expecting i know mlb is saying seven days but there was some curiosity about whether dc might require it to be longer than that do you know anything more definitive than what has been kind of kicking around on twitter yeah this is part of the problem here amanda is we asked mike rizzo that directly and he didn't give us a direct answer and i'm not sure he has one um one of the first things I thought of when this all kind of started trickling out was Mayor Bowser must be like, you have to be kidding me. Like they, <laughs> they just spent all this time in Florida and we grant their waiver and we talk about fans in the park and um, people were mad at us for like seemingly slow playing that right compared to other cities. And then they finally get to the end of that. And then basically 10 days later, you have an outbreak once they arrive back in DC. Right. The minute they set foot in DC, they've got an outbreak. Yes. Yeah, they have a pro- they have a bunch of problems. So it's convoluted uh, for multiple reasons. One is the you have the MLB set of protocols that everyone agreed to, and this is part of what the union and the league were bickering about um, last year before they got to the money juncture of everything. Of course, 
um, in the middle of last summer while everyone was waiting to play. And back then, D.C. had more stringent rules than other cities. Uh, and remember, of course, Juan tested positive. Whether it was a false positive or not, who knows, but he tested positive and he didn't play. And so he was in 14-day quarantine um, mandated by the city. And the Nationals went to the city and said, we need to adjust this waiver because other players, it's a 60-game season. If we lose this guy for 14 days, he's testing negative over and over and over. Um, you know, this is not applied to other teams and we're at a competitive disadvantage because of the more stringent rules in Washington, D.C. And the waiver was adjusted for them to their benefit. The city agreed to do that. So I say all that to say it's very difficult to know exactly, A, when the countdown clock is starting for quarantine. We asked Mike Rizzo that. He wouldn't tell us. Um, but know, that was my next Wednesday? question is what's the beginning date? So I guess right. we don't have that. You're right. Is it, yeah. Is it Wednesday for some guys? Presumably. Is it Friday for other guys? Presumably. Um, you know, and the guys on the seven-day clock, so that means they could be back for the Dodgers series, it would seem. Uh, but we don't know that definitively. And, um, again, the, in that they're leaving town, what it, then they're, the rules in Los Angeles are in play when they go there, right? Um, so the rules in D.C. are the issue for the Braves series. And I think it almost becomes moot because if that series actually starts on Monday, no one's coming out of quarantine basically anyway. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? Like that you're going to be in there no matter where you are if you – if this, if your clock started the prior Wednesday. Um, and then the question is the 10 day clock for guys who tested positive. And another thing that's unclear is, is there a way to emerge from quarantine early? Because last year, remember we had the rule that you had to have two negative tests processed by MLB um, in 48 hours, be asymptomatic, be cleared by the team doctor and there was like one other hurdle too, right? But then then you're good. Um, and this is part of the process again this year. And I had some questions on Twitter about why, about rapid tests and why they didn't have the rapid tests on Monday and know that someone was positive and, and then get them out of the herd, so to speak. Um, and that's because MLB doesn't recognize the rapid tests as definitive answers. And so... Um, you know, in, in this, again, we went through this with Juan last year. They were, he had multiple rabbit tests that were negative. And so that's kind of why there was conflicting reports about, did he have a false positive or what exactly is happening here? And should he not be playing, um, et cetera, et cetera. But MLB has to process the tests. And when they come back from the M, one of the two MLB labs, then that's the definitive answer. And then that's what causes everybody to take action. And hopefully, hopefully it's not as frustrating as it was last year for people with Juan, with all the tests that are coming out. Um, switching gears a little bit before I start talking about the season, ABC7 News recently sat down with Mark Lerner, and he was talking mm -hmm. about Juan Soto extension. Um, yeah. He said they're going to try their best, and it also kind of sounded like Lerner was saying that Boris's camp hasn't really returned any of their calls. What's the current situation like between the Nationals and Boris regarding Soto? I know we have a lot of years left, but that's a conversation people are kind of looking to right now is his extension. And also, 
How are things standing with the Nats and Trey Turner's camp worth guarding in extension as well? Yeah, so that to me was the first opportunity for the organization to say, to kind of start their PR campaign that it's not our fault that Juan left. Um, that's how that. I want to hear those words, Todd. Yeah, <laughs> that's how that statement sounded to me. Um, it, they're already kind of like creating some padding there, theoretically, uh, with the fan base in case that happens. That's not a surprise at all to me that the organization is going to start to take that stance and, and will take it progressively, um, especially at the ownership level, uh, especially considering that Bryce left, no matter how anyone feels about Bryce, but you know he's a homegrown player who left and Rendon left. Um, same case. And I think universally, if you were to say like percentage of Nationals fans who definitely like Rendon versus percentage of Nationals fans who definitely like Bryce, Rendon comes out right on top in, in that conversation. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of, I think for fans, from what I've heard and been told, you know, that's on everybody's mind whenever they bring this up. It, it's this kind of backlog of these other guys leaving recently. And, you know, we're going to hear from Boris soon, and we're going to hear Boris's typical, um, how do I put this? Uh, Boris's typical phrasing um, about, you know, what an epic client he has on his hands, which is what he does for all his clients, because that's his job. And I just can't imagine Juan signing an extension. Like, I, I, I just can't see it. I don't, I don't know why he would. Um, I don't, like, with Boris as his agent, that's a factor. I don't think it's as enormous a factor as everyone makes it out to be, always saying, well, Boris clients never sign an extension. Well, Strasburg's a Boris client. Um, so, and Max is a Boris client. So we'll see what happens with Max's contract. You know, who knows? Maybe he'll end up signing an extension here. And in Juan's case, I don't, the the way you can make the most money is to continue to go crazy, have your salary double annually in arbitration, and then hit free agency and have someone give you, you know, whatever ludicrous sum is available. Gigantic, unimaginable pile of money. Yes. I will say the one caveat here, and I think I'm going to be writing about this shortly, uh, or definitely at some point in the near future in the newsletter is, this is precisely the conversation we had about Bryce. Um, same age, um, you know, Bryce, once he was MVP in 2016, it completely became, even before that, 2015, um, when Bryce is a free agent, what will he get? What will he get? $400 million. The bidding's going to be crazy. The Yankees, the Yankees, the Yankees, right? So um, there is a chance for this conversation to be steered a little bit. Like to me, Juan is clearly a better player, uh, definitely a better hitter um, than Bryce was at this stage, 2016, notwithstanding, because that was a huge season, obviously. I mean, if you're gonna be MVP, you're gonna have a huge season. And so I just think this, we're, we're gonna talk a lot about it. We're gonna hear Juan say, I'm not too concerned about it. You know, I'm gonna let my agent go ahead and do this thing. And then we're going to see him eventually become a free agent. And the flip side of that is what you alluded to off the top is Mark Lerner is going to say, well, we tried, um, but, you know, they, they weren't cooperating. And both sides know that that's 
PR wise, how this is going to go. Uh, as far as Trey, I thought the Lindor deal was much more interesting as it relates to Trey than the Tatis deal um, because of the age. And Trey's agent is going to be able to say, hey, look at me, look at my war and compare it to Lindor's. And he's not going to get the same amount as Lindor um, because of age, because of just general marketability and, and familiarity in the game. Um, and, and his unfortunate, super unfortunate injuries, right? Like Trey's injuries aren't his fault. He gets hit by a pitch, busts a finger, and he misses half a season. There's nothing he can do about that. Yeah, I'd like um, to never see him bunt again. I'd be fine. With yeah, that. yeah. So, um, but when he's healthy, he can he can point at his numbers and say these are these are right right in place with what Lindor is doing, um, and that's presumably what his agent will argue. Uh, the question to me for the national specific to him is where like Trey's money affects Juan's money affects Victor's money. Um, is Max coming off the books? And then you have a reboot of all that money. Do you think Jackson Rutledge and Kay Cavalli can actually be in the rotation very soon and saves you a ton of money, right? Like if you have two guys in your rotation who are on the arbitration scale, eventually after, you know, making $700,000 each for a couple of years, you know, the, the suppressed pay scale that MLB does. So these are all questions internally that they have much more information about than we will ever have. But that those are all the considerations. There's a ton of front to back considerations and you have the CBA looming this winter. That's going to be a disaster. Those talks are going to be awful. <laughs> um, hopefully they don't lead to a lockout. We but, fully expect they will. We talk about that on the podcast a lot. <laughs> right. Yeah, me too, unfortunately. So um, I think there's a ton of things in, in play there. And the first time I asked Trey about possible extension was winter 2019. It was, um, and he sat down with us at my prior job at an employer I won't name. And, um, you know, he, he said he was open and this has kind of been his stance since, you know, he's open to listening to extension conversations um, and, and offers. And, you know, his argument was a very sane one. It was, why wouldn't you listen to those? It doesn't mean you have to take it, but. And yeah, also why wouldn't you say, listen at least and consider it? Yeah, of course. And, he, and he'll repeatedly say um, he's not a believer that the grass is necessarily greener, um, you know, just automatically somewhere else. And so uh, like a lot of young athletes, he has a ton of familiarity with the organization that kind of brought him in and, and brought him to this top level and he's grown up as a person um, in the interim as well. You know, he's got married, he's been married now he has a kid and now he's one of the longest tenured players, which is super bizarre to think about. Um, it makes me feel old. Roster. Yeah. Yeah. Same. So, you know, there's a million things in play. If I had to pick one of the two, I would certainly think that Trey is more likely to receive an extension than Juan Soto. Yeah, I you know I agree largely with every all of that. Um, I think Soto, I desperately would love to see them extend him. I think the only chance they have of keeping him on the Nats is probably if they are one of the bidders in free agency, realistically. And as we know, the Nats are not generally the highest bidders for massive free agents. So yeah, it's super interesting. Whenever because if you look at their payroll annually, they spend a bunch of money, and I always find myself using this phrase that they're like cheap big spenders. It's a perfect in, description. In, it makes, 
Right. But it, yeah, it seems like it doesn't make sense. But they, you know, as soon as they see the CBT, you know, they, they get they get flustered and they're like, all right, we're done. You know, and this is probably why you have Kyle Schwarber this year instead of Michael Brantley, because that would have put them right up against the threshold, if not over it. So, you know, and, and Rizzo always wants to leave himself a little wiggle room at the trade deadline. So they build in that buffer too. But then you see a $200 million payroll. Well, at the same time, you're like, huh, they just kind of like paid for some parts over here and parts over here and didn't hand out any, any major. Right. Contract. And you see a $200 yeah. million dollar payroll that's largely, you know, a right. lot of starting pitchers. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That, I mean, that's going to be Mike Rizzo's teams. Um, if he's in charge, that's what the team is going to look like. Yeah, which, you know, worked out for them in 2019. Yeah, it's been working It's been a good run since 2012. So, okay. Um, another question that's, you know, non-COVID related is, um, what are your thoughts once things do go back to normal? Um, you know, when we've got the whole team filled out, what, what do you think of the Bell and Schwarber additions and how they're mm-hmm. likely to um, improve things from last season were really outside of Trey and Soto. They, they just didn't have any offensive firepower. Yeah. Um, I, I think in the off season, I mean, I thought it was wildly apparent they needed power. Um, and I think we found out that internally they thought that too, based on those two guys. I think the cost to acquire Josh Bell is essentially negligible. So you you mm-hmm. almost got him for free, which is a fantastic move on paper um, by Mike Rizzo. My Josh Bell concerns are 2019 when he went crazy, you know, and hit 37 home runs. Almost all that work was done before the All-Star break. And after the All-Star break, you know, his OPS was, I want to say off the top of my head, below 800, mm-hmm. um, which isn't a great number. And then obviously 2020, he had a very rough season. And so in the last two years, if you add up his games played and kind of split them at the all-star break of 19, before that break, you see a very, very good offensive player. After that break, you see an average to below average offensive player. So my question is, which one is he? Um, And will will him being in a reasonable lineup instead of the Pittsburgh lineup, be really beneficial to him. I think you could argue that presumably yes, right? And looked like it in Kevin the spring. <laughs> yeah, right. And will Kevin Long help him? Kevin Long's very good at his job. He could. And and um, Josh Bell is someone very interested in making small tweaks and working on mechanics and and gathering information and figuring out how it's going to help him at the plate and watching video and you know he's way into what's going on there. And that's how Kevin Long's brain works too. So they're going to have a billion conversations about, you know, tiny things with Josh Bell at the plate. And again, the cost for him is so low that even if he's like in between those two, the, the really good Josh Bell and the not so good one, then you, you receive a big benefit, especially if Zimmerman's going to be um, matched up very well and be healthy and, and be swinging a live bat. Uh, again, I don't want to put, any real stock in spring, but in his case, Zimmerman's case, just seeing him, you know, his swings look crisp. That was the biggest thing to me. The outcomes were the outcomes. Um, Schwarber, uh, you know, I'm less compelled by. Uh, Davey keeps arguing that he's an average to above average outfielder. 
nothing else on earth suggests that. <laughs> <laughs> nothing besides Mike Rizzo suggests that. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I, you know, it, if Victor returns to his regular defensive ability, um, then that will help, obviously. And if, if Juan is, you know, average to a kind of above average and right, that's good too. Then you can get away with an outfield, the third outfielder being mediocre and you have Andrew Stevenson you can put out there late in games. So mm-hmm. you have a way to fix that, um, you know, when, when necessary, but otherwise, you know, I don't know. I mean, he's just, he's kind of devolved in the Dave Kingman in, in some ways, right? Like he's going to hit a homer or he's going to have no outcome, you know, so no positive outcome really. <laughs> there's an outcome, but not one that we yeah, want to an outcome, Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, the upshot for them is that he's going to be hitting fifth or sixth, right? They don't need to put him up with the other group. Um, he can kind of be the, the start of the bottom of the order. And if two guys are on and maybe he'll hit a three run Homer, I just, to me, Michael Brantley is a far superior player um, in the financial gap between the two, uh, I thought was right in par with, or even less than um, the gap in talent and productivity, especially specific as they, how they would fit with this team. Um, Michael Brantley puts the ball in play. His numbers doing that are wild. They're super high, uh, you know. And so if you, in my head, had a kind of back control 300 hitter who may only hit 18 to 20 home runs, but he's in that middle mix around Juan and Josh Bell. Um, maybe that was the more productive play than uh, a guy who has a chance to hit 30 home runs, but also has a chance to hit 210. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Ryan oh, Zimmerman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned Ryan Zimmerman and Josh Bell. Mm-hmm. We saw both of them have very good springs. I feel like when the Nats assembled this roster, they envisioned a DH. Now there's no DH. Um, how do you think the split is going to go at first base between Bell and Zem? Do you think it's going to be a 70-30 split, 60-40? How do you think that's going to go? Uh, I'll give you a little pushback on your initial phrasing, Ryan, politely. Uh, that I don't think they envisioned a DH being part of the mix. I think they envisioned being prepared in case the DH happened. And if it didn't, okay. then this, this would be their, their way to disperse these guys on, on the field. Um, when we talked to Mike Rizzo in the offseason, he repeatedly said he didn't think there was going to be a DH. When we talked to Max and kind of got the union's point of view, he's like, we're, we're playing by 2019 rules, ideally. Unfortunately, the stupid extra innings rule um, is still in play. I won't get into that unless asked. Um, and <laughs> so I thought the initial split would be pretty heavy in the favor of Bell, more like an 80-20, right? And after spring, I think that's going to come down to maybe more in the 65-35 range. Look, Josh Bell is the starting first baseman like at the end. Um, he's a switch hitter, much better from the left side. Uh, and so he's going to be out there. If they play seven games in seven days, he's going to be out. He's going to start five of them, and presumably, depending on who the opposing starting pitchers are, of course. And, um, you know, Zimmerman's going to start two. Zimmerman's going to come off the bench to pinch hit. Zimmerman's going to come off the bench to 
play defense. Um, I don't know if that's something that we all discussed enough in 2019, how good he was defensively at first base, but he was very, very good. Uh, and you were reminded of that when he wasn't there. <laughs> and I think you're going to be reminded of that when you consistently um, see Josh Bell playing defensively, you're going to be reminded of how good Zimmerman is uh, defensively at first base. So I would, as long as this is the thing, as we know, with Zimmerman and, and the thing that he admits to, of course, is as long as he's healthy, as long as his body cooperates, you know, there's going to be some productivity in there, especially if you can selectively match him up and he's fresh, he's fresh in the matchup. I thought a really interesting thing he said earlier this year about pinch hitting, like, how are you going to prepare yourself for that role? If that's kind of your primary role. And um, he's like, I don't have to, because most pinch hitters like move from team to team or they haven't been in the league as long. And in his case, he knows all these pitchers, right? He doesn't need a new report and then go figure this out on the fly unless it's a, you know, a new reliever. But generally, he's speaking of being old, Amanda. Um, right. He's kind of the elder statesman these days. Yeah. He's seen all these dudes and he's seen variations of them too, right, through his career. So there's not like going to be a new sequence from somebody he's never seen before. Um, so he, he kind of has that knowledge in his back pocket if he's told to go to the plate in the seventh inning. Yeah. I mean, I think that's going to be really interesting to watch. I know when Zim's healthy, I feel like the Nats are going to have him in. So it's going to be a fun time, but honestly, as long as they're producing, that's all I care about. So our last question, it's a two for question for you. Um, what is your record and season prediction for the Nationals? And who is your World Series matchup today on April 3rd? <laughs> you're way well, too I'm early go, and completely without any basis for anything because nobody's played any games predictions yeah <laughs> uh, well i i need so i'm gonna go and reference mark zuckerman of mass and sports does this annually as you both probably know they do the the media prediction poll and then we all get to embarrass ourselves generally because mm -hmm. we're supposed to know what we're talking about and then we make these predictions and then baseball goes baseball and who knows what's going to happen. Uh, so my prediction in there was 87 and 75 for their record and that they would lose in the wild card game. Um, 87 wins probably gets them into the wild card game. The division's going to be super, super rough uh, this year. And, you know, like Miami obviously is no longer the Miami that everyone became accustomed to the last five plus years. It's not longer, sadly, um, since they, took their all-star laden outfield and just like gave it away. It's like, we're going to lo lose a bunch of games now and have no fans. Um, that was a very interesting ownership maneuver. So uh, yeah, 87 wins um, in my world series prediction uh, is lame slash cop out because it's Dodgers Yankees. Yeah, that seems to be a lot. So who do you have missing the wild card in the national league? If the Nats get in the Mets, um, I think, so I think the Padres and the Nationals could be the wild card. Yeah. That's like what I, was that what I picked, Ryan? I think when we just did our predictions I so. one, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. I think only I, one team will come out of the central, um, and it's probably going to be St. Louis, same as it ever was. Right. And, same as um, it ever was. yeah, and I, and I, and I've been stunned by some of the projections I've seen around the Braves, um, by advanced analytics places. 
to me, the Braves are clearly the best team in the NL East. And I think the Mets are fun to talk about, but I wish the analytics models had a way to build in that they're the Mets. Right. <laughs> some sort of, can you the add outcome, to your algorithm right? that they're the Mets? Is there some sort of, <laughs> yeah. like, what yes. value do you put on that? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Some sort and of then, negative yeah. value that has to be. Right. And it's, and it's like the on-paper prediction, 92 wins, but they're the Mets, 84, you know? <laughs> Or worse. Mets, gonna Mets. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My Nana yeah. was a huge Mets fan. Rest her soul. She'd be she'd be very disappointed in my trash talking about the Mets, but Yeah, Mets fans are different people. That's, they are. That's fun. They're um, different, they're a different bunch. Put up with that organization. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, one more. I know we told you that was our last one, but I always <laughs> gotta slip this one in here. We have a we have a long standing <laughs> argument on this podcast about pro versus anti DH. Where do you fall? Uh, for the National League, yeah, I'm anti-DH. Ah. Yes. yes. <laughs> Got another um, one. You know, it's, I, I, I've become less so um, recently. You know, you, know why, you know what happened that helped change my mind was actually, or not change it, but make me think it through further and maybe move more toward possibly finding universal DH palatable was talking to Max and the thing that he pointed out to me that I'd never really considered thoroughly before was it would unify the rules in the world series and which we saw. Right. And, and I thought about this as an extrapolation, to other sports, like imagine the NBA finals, when the Western conference team hosts, you get to play with like six dudes or something. It, it, it's right. It's just like, Totally it's bizarre weird. to think the championship round would have an alteration of the rules um, depending on who's hosting the game. Uh, that is super strange. Yeah, I agree with you and think they should just get rid of the DH in the American League in that way. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I can guarantee you that is not happening. Yes, um, I can guarantee you that's not happening too. I would like it to happen, but I don't see yeah. I know I'm resigned to my fate that the DH is coming to the National yeah. League, but I hate it. It is. I think... Yeah, and it's terrible for time of game. We learned that last year. Um, the length of the games last year was just brutal. Um, and it's just going to get worse if you add a DH because, you know, obviously, and this is one of the arguments against pitchers hitting, right? Like basically automatic outs. Um, but outs also, are fast. <laughs> outs are fast. But also if they get a hit, like it's a thing. If they do something, it's a thing. And I feel like we, we've – really funneled down some of the fun things. Um, I love analytics and use them all the time. And it just, but, and then we're like, why isn't there more action? Why isn't there more emotion? Why isn't there more of these guys, you know, personality and being themselves and kind of this game engagement? Well, I feel like we're starting to kind of legislate that out, um, not on purpose, but you just, the structure of the game ha has led to that. So, um, you know, I, I wish, I don't know. I just think of Lou Pinella a lot, right? Like, what's the first thing you think about with Lou Pinella? It's screaming and throwing his hat down and arguing with the umpires. When's the last time you saw someone argue with an umpire that way? You yeah, don't. it doesn't happen very often anymore. Yeah, you know, you think of Davey coming out of the dugout in the World Series and oh, going crazy. I love that moment. I've watched that right, a but thousand that, times. Right, that's kind of my point is that's, that's a moment, that's a discussion point. You know, that's a thing that keeps everybody engaged, even though it, it's it's a rare thing. 
And this is kind of my argument against the automatic strike zone too, or the robot strike zone, robot umps, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, that engagement and that's one of the things people talk about the most on Twitter is they're like, CB Buckner sucks. And they're upset <laughs> about it. <laughs> um, Angel Hernandez. If take, yeah. If you hear, if you see Angel yeah. Hernandez trending, you know what happened. Right. And if you take kind of that emotion and discussion point, um, if you keep taking those away from what's happening, uh, I, I think you're doing a disservice, even though I completely understand the idea that they want to get it right uh, as much as possible. But people also complain because replay takes too long now. And you're like, games take long and replay takes long, duh, duh, but we're getting it right. Yeah, nobody's Whereas ever kind happy. Of that threshold, yeah, in that line um, when it becomes too much and you just kind of like, I don't know, I don't know when you even know what the proper term is. You just kind of like mute the game um, in some way um, and you go too far. Annotize it a little bit somehow. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Ryan, why do, why do you want the DH? Just I hate watching pitchers stand up there and attempt to bunt. I just feel like more <laughs> offense is more fun. Like, yeah, like it sure. makes the game longer. But everyone's least favorite Super Bowl of late was the Patriots Rams, where it's thirteen to three. Like, less offense is boring. More offense equals more fun. Mm-hmm. That's just my yeah. whole take of it. Yeah, well, I, I would say the league agreed with you because it changed the ball, so it went flying out of the park, um, and now changed well, it back. <laughs> Yeah, and now change it back exactly. So, I think just um, I would say this in, in the in the pro DH corner is this other idea that we've been talking about a lot with baseball is more action is more fun, more something is more fun, right? So, stop striking out all the time. People used to be embarrassed to strike out. Now nobody cares. Um, yeah, it's true. It's not a thing like it used to be. That's for sure. Yeah, they they they've taken the kind of emotion and penalty out of that. Nobody cares if you strike out all the time. Just go hit a homer one time, um, strike out three mm-hmm. times, and that's fine. <laughs> hey, everyone loves the long ball. That's <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> so I, I just yeah, I find it interesting, and I don't know if that's been discussed enough too either. You know, guys like Zim. Maybe I'll ask him. Especially, that's my favorite part about Zim now is he's so old, he will say... Yeah, he he's he's at the point where he does not care anymore. He'll tell you what he thinks. I he, love it. He does not care. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. All <laughs> right. Uh, Todd, want to thank you for coming on. It was a fantastic interview until you said you were anti-DH, but maybe we'll get you around the pro-DH one day. Um, you guys can give Todd a follow on Twitter at Todd underscore Divis, and make sure you guys subscribe to his Inside the Clubhouse newsletter thanks again todd really appreciate having you on thank you thanks for having me thanks todd we'll do it again soon once again thank you so much for todd for coming on the show you guys can give him a follow on twitter at todd underscore divis and we look forward to having him on potentially later on in the year anybody who doesn't like the dh is okay with me he can come on anything he wants Peters, that interview and all interviews are brought to you in part by Manscaped. Baseball is back, except for the Nats. But while the Nats season is being delayed, you do not have to delay your men's grooming. Dust off your mitt and cleats this spring and be ready for first pitch before hopping on the field or hopping on your couch to watch. Our sponsors at Manscaped also don't want you to forget to whack your weed so you are feeling your best. Manscaped, the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming, have an exclusive deal for our audience. 20% off and free shipping with the code HSHH20 at Manscaped. 
You know them. They're trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, including Ryan and myself and Amanda's husband. Um, so, you know, we, we can't express how great Manscaped has been. I hope you all have found products you have loved. And if you're new, just joining this podcast, we appreciate you. But please go check out Manscaped and help us help you help us. Help me help you help us. I messed that one up. But... <laughs> 20% off and free shipping, code HSHH20 today. And, of course, while you're helping uh, helping you, helping us, helping everybody's helping each other, make sure you check out the shop as well at the Hatchery High Heat website. You can link there to the Tee Public shop and check out the merch. There will be some new merch coming soon. Yeah, so, I'm waiting um, till the, the Nats officially play their first game. All right, Go not much to... longer to wait now. Well, we say that. <laughs> I know. I should take that back. Knock on all the wood. <laughs> It would be just like us. So we finished recording and five minutes later, they'd be like, game delayed again. Yep. All right. So this is our opening weekend overreaction episode. Um, speaking of our website, if you go there and check it out, our most recent article is from Monty. You can follow him at On the Pod Twice. And uh, it's a lot of fun. So let's get into it. Um, first one here is the Braves bullpen will be a major weakness. This is a massive overreaction i don't really know why people are talking about the Braves bullpen being bad because they gave up i have it up right now i'm pretty sure they gave up just two runs all weekend long um yeah no sorry they gave up three runs they gave up three runs in three games they gave up one in each so i'm a little confused about that i saw like giraffe neck mark and like a couple other people were talking about how bad the Braves bullpen was i just did not understand it so I'm saying this is a overreaction and the Braves bullpen is going to be at worst league average. Um, before we get started, I know there's over and under, but what's the middle? Middle. Over, under, straightforward, I guess. Neutral, maybe? Over, under? Over. Uh, I'm just going to say straight center, push. Straightforward? Okay. Push, yeah. Push. I'm going to go push on this because... Major weakness is is the the stretch here. Um, it's not going to be 2019 Nats or 2020s Phillies bad. Is it going to be worse than last year? I think yes, because they lost some some key pieces. Uh, Mark Melanson and Darren O'Day and Shane Green, who Shane Green is still a free agent, and I need someone to jump on that because every day that goes by and the Nats don't sign him, I'm, I get mad. But um, so you know, so so they lost key pieces. Will Smith looks you know, back to what we would expect Will Smith to be like, uh, you know, their price signing last off season. So, you know, I, I still think that it's going to be fine, but if you're looking at the Braves as a whole, I think the biggest opportunity will probably be the bullpen. Their starting pitching looks good. Their starting pitching dealt all weekend. So it's not like, you know, the Braves are, you know, vulnerable and teams need to strike right now while the getting's good. I think the Braves are still going to be a damn good team. They're still going to be the best team in the NL East, but the bullpen is probably not going to be as good as they would have hoped. And that's probably, you know, the, the chink in the armor where teams can, can strike if they can get past the Braves starting pitching. I think the chink in the armor is probably the, a really good description. It's, you know, it's not going to be a major weakness, but I do think it's going to be their weakness. Um, I don't think it's going to, you know, be the thing that you look back and say, oh, they had such a disappointing season because of their bullpen. I, right. I don't anticipate that at all. 
But I do think if you had to say, let's look at the parts of the braids and say which one is not as strong as the others, I think that's the obvious answer. Yep. But their um, their offense was pretty lousy this weekend, and you know you can't blame what happened this the, weekend. The, on the, the Phillies, the Phillies pitching was just that good. They got Nola Wheeler and then Eflin, who you know was is by far the weakest of the three, but Eflin dealt too. Yeah, yeah, so. they were really good. So, yeah, again, super major overreaction, which is the whole point. Yep. So, all right, fantastic. The next one is the Orioles are good. No. <laughs> Massive overreaction. The Orioles won three games, and they'll probably win 50 in the rest of the 159 games. Like, no, the Orioles suck. The Red Sox are just bad. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, 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 well, first of all, I love that Ryan picked him as his second wildcard team because I love, you know, some bold predictions. And I could see that happening, but there definitely is a flip side to that coin. We've seen the Red Sox have some horrible, horrible seasons you know, in between these runs of greatness that they've had the, over the past decade. So this could be, you know, a, a, a run, a year where they make a run, or it could be one of those horrible seasons. I don't think there's an in-between for the Red Sox. They are winning now, big right now. Does so anybody flip back? back and forth between horrible and fantastic the way the Red Sox do? No, but they do it so well, and I admire it. Yeah, it is fun to watch um, from someone who doesn't care about the Red Sox. Yeah, if you're so a Red Sox I, fan, it must be absolutely maddening. I think the Orioles just, you know, they came out hot, but we've, we see this every year that one team no one expects has like a good 10 games to start the season and they fall off. The Orioles are not good. They don't have starting pitching. Um, you know, they have young guys that are exciting, but as a, as a whole, they're not built to last. No, certainly not. But it certainly was fun to watch um, what they did this weekend. And one thing Monty noted in the article that I loved was they scored all 18 of their runs in that series without hitting a single home run or stolen base. I think <laughs> there was too- some absurd. It was yeah, home run stolen base and, and something else. It was, yeah. it was it's totally stat. an aberration, but it was yeah. definitely fun. And watching all of the Orioles fans, you know, overreact and talk about how good they are is amusing. Yep. Okay. Next one is the Yankees will not win the AL East. Overreaction to a opening series. They're blowing out the Orioles right now. Stan hit the ball 500 feet. They'll be fine, and they're going to win the NL East. AL East. I mean, they're probably going to win the NL East, too. That's how good they're going to be. Um, oh, 7 yeah. nothing. by the way, was the final on that one. Yankees-Orioles. Yeah, this is – it's going to be the, the – I'm going to say it all right now. It's going to be the largest gap between first and second place of any division. Oh, and the, okay. the Yankees are going to – the Yankees are going to win it. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I think just, you know, we all picked, I believe, if I remember correctly, the Yankees to win the AL East. I mm-hmm. I personally am not going to react to the opening weekend series and change my pick. So uh, definitely an overreaction. But, yeah, I think, I don't know if it'll be the biggest. It might be, now that I'm thinking about it, the Dodgers aren't going to beat the aren't going to beat the Padres by as much. Yeah, you might be right. I usually am. Occasionally. Anyway, speaking of being right, <laughs> speaking of um, Otani will win MVP if he stays healthy. So if Otani stays healthy and he has an ERA below four, he will be the 2021 NL MVP. Um, the man is an absolute freak. You say NL MVP? Okay. That's how good he's going to be. He's going to win you, both. You all literally know what I mean. You don't have to jump in and be like, oh my God, you said something wrong. Like, you all know what I mean. Second of all, 
if he has an ERA below four and he stays healthy, he will be the AL MVP. He is going to hit over 25 home runs. He's going to hit over 300. The guy is an absolute freak. You saw it last night, hit the absolute moonshot to straightaway center, um, threw 100 in the first inning, and then had the Angels' hardest then had the Angels' hardest home run in the last five years. The dude's a freak. He will win MVP. This is not a reaction. This is just a push. Straight facts. Yeah, I definitely agree. He's good. He's so much fun to watch. It's just, as a straight baseball fan, it's a shame that he plays on the Angels because he won't get as much attention as he should. Well, like he I is mean, unbelievable to watch. I picked, him, I picked him to win MVP, so this is not an overreaction in my mind either. He'll get he'll get attention because he if he has a healthy season he's gonna be one of the best things to happen to baseball in a very long time. I will say the uh, the overreaction is that he will win Cy Young and MVP because as Ryan said if he can do what he can, if he can sustain what he does at the plate over the course of a season and have an ERA below four that's MVP worthy but you know an ERA above four is or below four isn't necessarily Cy Young Cy worthy. Young worthy yeah. yeah, like the, the MVP will factor in pitching and hitting, but obviously Cy Young only factors in pitching. So I don't think he's ever going to be a Cy Young candidate, but MVP is squarely in his wheelhouse. All right. We have one more, which is the Phillies rotation is the best in baseball. So I can't so, get that one out. Um, in the beginning of the season, pitching is ahead of offense. Mm-hmm. Offense always lags to start the season. You're going from warm Florida to cold wherever you are. It was pretty cold in Philly this weekend, except for Sunday. It always lags behind pitching. With that being said, I do think the Phillies have a top 10 rotation in baseball this year. Their the rotation is good. It's a lot better than people want to give them credit for because it's a Phillies, but Nolo's legit, Wheeler's legit, and Alphen looked very good. So I won't say it's the best rotation in baseball, but if you said top 10, that's not a stretch. I think they're definitely top 10. Um, yeah. The Dodgers and even the Padres are square one and two. Nobody even comes close. And then from there, it's a debate whether, you know, the Nats are still up there, the Mets are up there, the Phillies are definitely up there. So it, it becomes a debate after after those one and two, but definitely not the best. However, I can fully admit I forgot how good Zach Wheeler can be um, because he's he was always hurt in New York. He had that one great season, and everyone knew his potential, and that's basically what he got paid off of was that that ceiling. But you know the the sample size of health was definitely not there for Zach Wheeler. So if we're getting uh, you know, a healthy 162 out of out of uh, Zach Wheeler. You know, the Phillies might find themselves in more, uh, you know, in it deeper into the season than I think any of us would have expected. Because you know, they always start hot and tail off and finish around 500 or so. But if they have Nola and Wheeler pitching to their abilities, pff, they're going to be good. Yeah, they're going to be good. I think best in baseball. <clears throat> is the overreaction but they're gonna be good yep they are gonna be good okay um we have what's left just our one big thing tonight um who wants to start ryan what do you got i like how you say who wants to start and then you call on mine anyways (laughs) yeah i made i made a command decision um so there are four undefeated teams left 
Two of them have never played a game. The Astros are one of them. My one big thing is that the Astros are still very, very legit. And I'm just very excited baseball is back. But I think the Astros dominate the AL West this year. I think they're going to be really good. I guess that's more of a bold prediction than is a one big thing. But, yeah, that that's it. I'm just excited baseball is back. And, Ryan, just to piggyback off that. Um, piggyback. <laughs> I think I, I've... If this is my overreaction, I'll, I'll plant my flag in it whatsoever or whatever, you know, that's worth. Um, the Angels will be better than the A's this year. Angels make the playoffs. Oh, my God. I saw a stat. <gasps> wow. The A's bullpen gave up like 16 runs, and like 30 hits in this weekend. It was absurd. Yeah, the A's, man, they're the team I want to not more than the Nats and maybe not more than like the Padres, but they're one of the teams I want to win and succeed the most, but it just ain't happening with the, that formula. They're, they're just, you know, too, too short. But I, I think the, the angels, they have, their pitching is not good enough, but their pitching is better than what it typically is. So I think they find themselves in second place, but still out of the playoffs. So I, um, my one big thing, similar to Ryan's, love that baseball's back. Uh, ML, we talked about it at the start of the show. You know, been watching a lot of MLB.tv this weekend. Um, one of my, you know, takeaways, I ended up watching a lot of the Blue Jays games because just a fun team, and they were my bandwagon pick last year, TBT to uh, the bandwagon draft. Um, but I've been watching Vlad Jr. play first because he was at third last year, and now he's transitioning to first. And it's just cool to see the, well, I use cool loosely, but he, he you can see that he's still learning the the position. Um, he made a couple of great stretches trying to dig balls out of the dirt, but he comes off the bag way too much. So that's just one of those little nuances he has to learn about playing first base, about holding the bag. But that just kind of made me romantic about baseball and how much I've missed it. And now, you know, even though the Nats didn't play, I watch a lot of baseball and I got my fill and it, it makes me miss the Nets less. So that was really cool. <laughs> um, cool. I'm going to step in, Amanda, one second. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. The Mets never change. So what happened? Jacob DeGrom just absolutely dominates. And then you get to the eighth inning, and the two relievers that the uh, the Mets signed to be shut down absolutely implode. And the guy who's supposed to be the defensive replacement has an error, and it's a five-run eighth inning so far. And the oh, Phillies are on top five-two. Wow! <laughs> Who were the two pitchers they signed? Can you remind me? Um, I have up. It is May, and then I think Loop. Oh, Trevor, Trevor May. Yeah, not, Trevor not May. Dustin and May. Then, yeah. Um, and then who was the defensive replacement? Um, I have it. Up. Uh, Sorry, I'm putting you G- on the spot. Gilmore, Luis Gilmore. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Um, but still, Mets gonna met. <laughs> they are indeed. Well, I guess the Phillies are never losing a game. I guess that's the the takeaway. wagon. Here. Yep. Okay, so I'll do my one big thing quickly, which um, I will echo both of yours, which is baseball's back and it's awesome. I the the off season always seems so long and terrible, and I'm so happy that baseball's back. I can't wait for Nats baseball to be back, but I am going to take it away from baseball for a second, not to hockey this time, but um, I just want to throw out there for those of you who haven't already seen that DMX is in the hospital being reported. He's in a vegetative state. If you are of my age, 
who were young and uh, still cool in the late 90s. He was everyone everything. knows who DMX is. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying, <laughs> if you grew up when I grew up, he was everything at the time. And uh, I'm so sad about what's going on with him and uh, sending him, you know, best wishes and prayers and hoping that he pulls through, although at least the reports don't seem super um, optimistic. So anyway, I just wanted to plug the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration hotline. If you need help, you know somebody needs help, get help, because this is awful. It's awful to see so many, both celebrities and non-celebrities, fall victim to addiction. So 800-662-HELP if you or somebody you know needs substance abuse or mental health help. So sorry, I took a little downer note there at the end, but just wanted to bring that up. You guys got anything else before we get out of here? Nope. Shout out Monty for, I always say nope. And then I say something. I else. know you do. That's your move. <laughs> don't know why. Uh, shout out Monty for the uh, article today and uh, a segment on our, our, our show. Yeah. Make sure you guys check that out. Um, head out to the website, halfstreethighheat.com. There is more coming and there's uh, a lot of content out there. Obviously not a lot of Nats content this weekend, but uh, Monty's doing a, a brave series preview. That'll be out tomorrow too. If you want to get, up to speed before we play the Braves. Awesome. I will definitely be checking that out. So make sure you find us all on Twitter. You can get the show at Half Street High Heat. Find the website at halfstreethighheat.com and check out our YouTube channel, The Rundown with Half Street High Heat. You guys have a good night and we'll talk in a couple days. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's go. By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats, we've got a game to play We're gonna win today, let's go who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.